wanted to uh, share a joke with you and only preface it with that so you know to laugh. But a man stopped to watch a little league baseball game. He asked one of the youngsters what the score was. And the kid said, we're losing 18 to zero. Well, said the man, I must say, you, you don't look discouraged. Discouraged, the boy asked, puzzled. Why should we be discouraged? We haven't even had a chance to bat. <laughs> Sometimes people don't even know they need encouragement. And that might be where we're at today with this one another series we're in the middle of. Today is on encouraging one another. Andy has uh, had a scheduled trip to take in. Pastor Andy, for those of you who might be new, was uh, supposed to um, take a trip in February for anniversary. And one of their kids got sick, and so they rescheduled it for this weekend. And I saw through text messages that the other kid got sick this weekend. So he said next time they schedule a trip away for anniversary, they're going to get a prayer team together. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think they wound up doing something anyway, but it's great to be able to share the message this morning. How can we honor God as we encourage one another? Encouragement is definitely a necessity if we're going to grow in Christian faith and community. So I want to share a little bit today about that. What is encouragement? It's the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope, the persuasion to do or continue something. So this morning, we're going to look at three different aspects of encouragement. And you can see the simple outline on the back here, uh, insert there. The first one is that God encourages us. <clears throat> we first understand that true encouragement comes as we receive it from God. God's word gives us hope. His words in scripture do encourage our spirits. They draw us near. God encourages us to go for it, to make something happen. We're encouraged sometimes to do something new or to keep going on something that we've already known that God is leading us to. And all this is why quiet time is so critical for believers. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, I had my devotion this morning or have a quiet time at home each day. That's not just to check off a, a ritual. That's, that's so that we are able to glean and gather and take in those words that, that God has for us so that our lives are deeper and richer and more meaningful and more faithful as we live and walk the road of faith. God sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a comforter slash encourager. In fact, in the book of Acts, when the Spirit came upon them, the Greek word in there is paraclete, paraclesis. And I hope I'm saying it right. I, I did take Greek for a year, but that doesn't mean too much. But I, I looked it up and I um, read through a few things about it. And this paraclesis, this idea of sending, of, of um, encouraging and comforting, it's used 13 times in the New Testament as a word for comfort. And the second most usage is the word for encouragement, which is six times in the New Testament. An interchangeable word of the idea that God would call us near to comfort and encourage and exhort us. God gives us a word of hope and encourages us through his spirit. And there are a vast number of encouraging verses in scripture. And, you know, if you want to, you could just Google encouraging verses in Scripture, and you can get scads of lists, 35, 23, 111. I mean, the whole book is encouraging, but here's a few verses, just a sampling from the very first hit on the Internet search. The first one's from Lamentations, chapter 3. 
The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And then from Colossians 3, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then from Philippians, this is a great one for all parents. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Everybody needs to memorize that for your kids. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And it goes on, Galatians, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap harvest if we do not give up. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk with him. And then the last one, which I put in here and remembered that I always think of when I think of encouragement in tough times. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. From Isaiah 43. God's word is full of encouragement. And sometimes we need that comfort side of encouragement from the Holy Spirit. The times when life is tough and we're walking through the dark roads and the valleys. Maybe it's like the kid who needs undying love from a mom or dad when, when they've been let down really badly by their friends at school or they've done ter- terribly on a test or at a sporting event. It's that kind of comfort encouragement. Other times, God comes to us through the Holy Spirit to kick us into gear, to give us hope that the action that we've been called to is making a difference. In those times, the encouragement of God wells up in our lives as we're responding to God's call. It's like we're dancing to music that no one else can hear, and we're ready to go because of that high-impact encouragement of God's Spirit. And in a similar way, I was once encouraged on a zip line as a kid. It was a zip line at a neighbor's house of church member. And it wasn't the type of zip lines you have around today where you hook into a carabiner that would hold the weight of a school bus and you're on a cable. It was like a little pulley with two ropes. You stick your hands through the loops and grab on and go. And um, it wasn't that tall, but it was tall enough for me. And my dad stood there with me on the little platform up in the tree and he's like, it'll be fun, you'll like it, just, just do it. And pretty soon his encouragement changed and he just went, tink, and pushed me right off. And I went, and it was great, and I enjoyed it. But sometimes we need the comfort kind of encouragement of drawing near. And other times we need the kind of encouragement that helps build us up, spur us on, and move us forward. So we learn good and solid encouragement from God's word, from the Holy Spirit at work in us. So the second thing is, is that God calls us to encourage. Each one of us as believers. I heard Charles Stanley say that there were only two places in scripture where the Bible commands us to do something daily. As soon as I heard that, I started racking my brain trying to think, where, where is that? How could that be? Well, there is a couple of scriptures that ask us to do something incessantly, like pray without ceasing. That's secondly or minutely or however you want to look at it. But the only two places that I could find where we have a command to do something daily, the first one is in Luke 9.23. Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And the second one is what we just read, Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily. The more I thought about that, the more powerful it grew in my mind. 
picking up the cross daily, carrying the cross, following Jesus, no turning back, setting everything else to the side, setting our eyes on him and following him with the burden of the cross. Now that's preached about. That's the kind of stuff you put on like stickers and, and people just know that scripture. And that's kind of the bedrock of the gospel that yes, as Christians, we're gonna follow Jesus no matter the cost. But I'd never really thought about the second, somewhat equal, at least in terms of phrasing, of a daily command that Christians are supposed to do. In addition to picking up the cross, a second daily command, and maybe the only other one, is to encourage other believers. And it just doesn't seem quite as foundational. I mean, it just seems like this other thing is so big and the second one is maybe smaller in our minds. It seems like it could be a side note. But for whatever reason, the scripture puts it in a major plane. Encouraging some people around us, it's something we should do daily. So God calls us to encourage. And it's not just feel-good stuff. It's not just, you know, about encouraging kids to practice piano or throw the ball higher or harder. I mean, that, that's all good stuff too. But it's about the good and holy work of helping other Christians live a faithful life. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. We're supposed to build one another up. That's the job of the church. And again, it's more than just saying, hey buddy, nice shirt. It's a call to exhort and uh, encourage and to ask and move forward and toward and to continue to pursue this Christian life, to help each of us to not just say we're believers, but to live it out day in and day out with the encouragement that comes from each other. Much like the cheers when you're running a race or the cheers when you've just scored a goal. It's kind of like all of us together on our daily basis are saying, yes, you're doing it. Let's keep it going. We're living out the faith we're supposed to. We're supposed to build one another up. So here's the thing that kind of blew my mind in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. The same word that is used about God's spirit coming to us, paraclesis or to paraclete, is the same word in 1 Thessalonians 5.11 when he says, paraclete one another, encourage one another. Now, to me, it seems like that gets pretty deep. It's like the equivalent of God's spirit working in and among us is similar to God's people encouraging each other with words. And I know we could sit and argue that and talk about that God's spirit is always deeper and bigger and better and more full and I know that and I know we're humans and, and we are imperfect and things can go wrong with words and especially sometimes with words. But for whatever reason, it's the same word in scripture. If we're gonna encourage somebody, it is as similar as the spirit of God moving in their lives. And maybe it's that God's spirit uses us to paraclete someone. Not just to say, hey, that's cool, but to say, I'm encouraging you. I want you to live life to the full. I want you to get it. Well, it's good theology to encourage believers. Hebrews 10, chapter 24 and 25, we just read, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another even all the more as you see the day approaching. So this encouragement is meant to spur one another on toward love, 
to spur one another on toward good deeds and to not give up meeting together, presumably, according to scripture, corporate worship like this, prayer meetings, groups. It was evidently as easy of a habit to slip into back then as it is today. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And you know, it's, it's important that we would be in worship with others. And as important as words are for encouraging, our presence here is encouraging. It's important for us to be involved in the ministry of the church so that we're able to, each day, share with others encouragement about living out the faith. Before the, the last day approaches, whenever that's gonna be, and who knows when, we encourage each other every chance we get. A couple Fridays ago, we took Ruby and Macy down to the O'Fallon Splash Pad, which is a little mini water park at one of the city parks. And it was a beautiful day and lots of people. And I ran into two families from our church. And just in visiting and talking a little bit and, uh, you know, all the usual talk. Have you been here before? Kids like it and all that kind of stuff. And then before each of those conversations kind of faded away and everybody went back to doing their own thing, I heard something along the lines of, well, see you Sunday, because that was a Friday morning. We got three days. And um, I was reflecting on those four, you know, short little words, see you on Sunday. That's, that's about the simplest easiest, neatest encouragement for helping somebody continue on the road of faith. And somebody might say, well, you have to be here. You, you work at the church and you're probably got to play guitar or talk or do something. But for each of us, as we encourage others, we're encouraging our own lives. And maybe somebody says, I'll see you on Sunday. And then Sunday rolls around and you have a flat tire, which happened a few weeks ago. It seemed like four, it's like contagious. Everybody had a flat tire. And, um, or maybe you're kind of feeling under the weather, whatever the case is, and who knows what kind of seed has been planted in this interaction of, hey, it's great to see you today, can't wait to see you on Sunday, and we show up to church, we make it happen. Well, uh, that's, that's encouragement. It's a reminder to be there, a reminder to be in worship. Happened last night, riding bikes in the subdivision, stopped and visited, and somebody said, see you tomorrow. And I had almost forgotten today was Sunday. I mean, was, I was just riding around and, and having fun and his see you tomorrow jogged me. I was like, oh yeah, tomorrow's Sunday and I'm preaching. I said, I better get things together. <laughs> maybe we could create a new word. Like maybe we need a new word like remindment, like encouragement and reminders all wrapped into one. And encourager doesn't quite have a ring to it. And I'm not sure if remindment's gonna get off the ground either. But what if our church became the type of church that encouraged in that way? We're called to help others pursue the Christian faith. God calls us to encourage, and that requires that we would lift others up. We must genuinely be happy for somebody else and what's going on in their lives. And probably that's the biggest barrier to encouragement in the Christian community, is that sometimes we aren't sure. It's kind of like stuck in our own little issues and dealing with our own financial and relational and personal work problems and other issues that everybody has to navigate. We're all stuck in this kind of situations from time to time that we're dealing with something. And maybe we just kind of forget. We put encouragement on the back burner. But God calls us to encourage a willingness to lift others up. And if we're going to honor God, we would be confident enough to say, we're going to set aside our own selves for a moment, and we are going to encourage and build up others. And in doing so, our lives become richer. There's a story that I looked up and researched for uh, thinking about ways that people have encouraged others and lifted them up. And one story was from the Oakland Stadium where Ricky Henderson tied Lou Brock's career for stolen base records. 
And according to this U.S. Today story from many years ago, Lou Brock, who had left baseball several years before, had followed Henderson's career and was excited about his success. Realizing that Ricky would set a new record, Brock said, I'll be there. Do you think I'm going to miss it now? Ricky did in 12 years what it took me 19 to do. He is amazing. And the real success stories in life are with people who can rejoice in the success of others. What Lou Brock did in cheering on Ricky Henderson ought to be the law for the family of God. When something is going right, when we see something good in someone's life, when we notice that they have a gift in this area or are able to do this or that well, we just come up behind them and encourage them to say, man, that was awesome, that was amazing, and, and allow our words to encourage them. We need to do that daily to help others pursue Christ as they live the Christian life. And this brings us to the final section. Encouragement most often requires words. Words can build up or destroy. Scripture talks about the fact that the tongue can bring death or life and that the talk will reap consequences. Words have power to give life or death. And maybe you know that. Maybe somebody told you one time, oh, you're going to have a tough time doing that. You're not too good at that. That's going to be a tough road. Maybe you just heard that little grain of, of no confidence on something you used to love, and now you've given up on it. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe somebody told you something like, you're a great singer, and you thought you were. And you're sitting around, running around, trying to sing, and kind of wondering, oh, man, why didn't anybody like this? Well, you have this, this, this word in you that you feel like is, uh, is, is clicking and working. We need to be genuine and generous with our words. This applies to parenting, coworkers, bosses, church members, generous and genuine. We don't want to just make stuff up, like in the example of telling somebody they're a great singer when maybe they weren't, you were just saying that to try to encourage them. That doesn't do any good. But when we actually find those things, when we uncover the thing that says, wow, I've never seen anybody do this so well in my life, you are one of the best. I've had a lot of people in my life like that to be able to share that. And one of the phrases that I learned from one guy was, he always said, you're among the top in whatever thing he was complimenting you on of people I've ever seen. Now, among the top, he could say that about everybody because <laughs> among the top is sort of like, you're on the top of the list, but who knows how long this list is. But he encouraged us in those ways. We want to be genuine and we want to be generous. Words are free. And I know there's the phrase that talk is cheap, but setting that aside, that we don't want to just have hollow words, but words are our gift to share with others. And we want to be generous. And it is okay by people if you encourage them every single day. We all know people respond best when we build them up. People will seek to repeat those things which are encouraged and celebrated. Even the times don't seem like they're going well. Encouragement can help somebody regain an outlook, keep a positive attitude, or keep moving forward even if it is tough. The encouragement can be as simple as that. This is tough, but we're going to make it. Last week, Andy talked about the burden of being able to carry the grocery bags and how he was encouraged by his wife. And I noticed as he was preaching that everybody laughed. That was a great story. Well, then this week, he put something on Facebook. It was a little meme that said, 
I'll carry 17 grocery bags or die trying before making two trips. And so it's kind of like he got excited about, you know, just even the, the story of being encouraged by his wife. And everybody liked it because it was hilarious. My wife once told me that I was the best trim painter in the world. It was the first room we ever painted in our house. And so it was, you know, going from beige to purple. And I didn't get any purple on the ceiling. And she told me that in a couple different ways. I've never seen anybody trim paint so well. And she's really particular, so I took it to heart. And all of a sudden, I enjoyed painting. And we painted every room in the house. And on every mission trip, I always grabbed the trim brush. I'm the best trim painter. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and now, like 18 years into our marriage, I'm like, did she mean that? Or is this just a way to get the house painted? But, but I believed her. And encouragement, like, sunk in. And there I was, changing the trajectory of what I always thought I liked and began enjoying painting because somebody encouraged me. And you've heard it happen before. Somebody's telling a joke, and everybody's laughing, and and then they tell more jokes. I mean, you can't stop somebody once you start laughing. So if you want to stop them, you just look at them. You don't laugh. But when I'm telling stories with different groups we're around, I'll tell a couple stories. Suzanne, my wife, has obviously heard them all. And she'll say something like, oh, don't encourage him. And, and it's sort of like the, that's how you stop it. That's how you stop somebody from doing what they love to do or what they need to do or what they're called to do. You just you don't encourage them. It's like the, the opposite of what we want to do as believers People need to hear words. If I sat up here in silence thinking that you guys are all great people and that you really are making a difference in the world and that lifetime and generations are being shaped by your faithfulness, but I never told you guys that, I'd just be standing up and looking like a goofball. I mean, there would be no way for me to communicate encouragement without telling you, written or spoken, that I believe that God is using you and is gonna make a difference Mark Twain once said, I can live three months on a good compliment. And William Arthur Ward had another quote that said, flatter me, I probably won't believe you. Criticize me, and I probably won't like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. But encourage me, and I will never forget you. Encouragement is an action. And this simple scripture of encourage one another is for all believers it does take some practice. We do have to get kind of in the groove of, of doing this, but it can be life-changing. It definitely does start new things. Much like the assist is calculated in basketball, our encouraging words help people hit the goal. I don't know much about sports and NBA especially, but I did a quick Google search of the record holder for assists in the NBA, and it was a guy named John Stockton who played for Utah Jazz his entire career. And he's in the Hall of Fame because he made 15,000 assists, like 3,000 more than the next person in line, 12,000. He was in the Hall of Fame because he helped people. And it's kind of like that's what encouragement does. We pass this encouragement, the person takes it and, and scores. And then we stand back and we say, wow, we all love to say that. I knew him when. I was, I was involved in his life when blah, 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 blah. We are assistants in helping people hit the mark. I want God's people, especially us at Troy UMC, to be successful in those kind of ways. I would love to see this group of people so encouraged that they're living strong, risk-taking, faithful, relevant lives in a society that is sort of like poo-pooing Christian ideals, just because we are encouraging one another. That this metro region would benefit from a group of people who are encouraging each other in a Christian, spirit-filled way that drives us toward hitting the goal.
Could that happen? Well, sure it could. Scripture talks about it. We encourage each other, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and we can do that with our words. Can you really encourage someone if you don't tell them anything at all from a distance? First Thessalonians says we need to encourage, and if you look that up from 5.11, it actually says with our words. And who knows how God will use your encouragement to move people to a place of significance. As I mentioned before, this doesn't mean fake encouragement, making up stuff just so we can make ourselves feel better about encouraging each other on a whole array of things that people don't really feel connected to. But when the spirit-led encouragement comes to a person at the right time, it means that we've looked at them and listened to them, been in connection with them, and, and we've noticed something about them, and we've encouraged them in a way of finding that good thing that they may not even have known about themselves, and especially for kids. When kids do something, we can all say, wow, that was awesome. But sometimes when we need to really move beyond fake encouragement of everything is great and everything is awesome, we can also add this other word. We say, wow, that was awesome. Now that you've done that, try this. Now that's encouragement. Wow plus now, that is awesome. I read that somewhere and I've always remembered it. Now that you've hit the ball, why don't you lower your bat and then swing? That, that's encouraging a kid to, to see what really is deep down inside of the gifts that they have. Another thing that's important is to encourage kids in their faith, learning scripture. I uh, was teaching this week for a group of kids and uh, had them all memorize Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And later on, Macy was sitting back there and she was amongst the kids as well, but I was just kind of taken back again when she said, I know it, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path, Psalm 119, 105. And I thought, man, that, if, even from a distance of just those words of encouraging my own daughter to make sure that she also knows scripture. For adults, it might mean encouraging their effort, their attitude, the things that they can control. It's easy to get into the depths of complaining. But when we say, but you handled that well, that is going to encourage people. One of my favorite quotes is, anyone can count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples from a seed. And that's the same for encouragement. When I was a freshman in college, I was singing at a little church up near Wood River, and I was just singing songs for the church service, and I got done, and a guy named Claude, who was part of a Southern Gospel music group, came up to me and said, those are great songs. You need to record those songs. And I'd never quite thought about that before, but he actually handed me a card and said, go here and do it. And lo and behold, I actually took the card, called the guy, and went there and did it. Recorded 10 songs, freshman year of college. And um, I ran into that guy a couple summers ago, and he still remembered me, and we still talked. But it basically was encouragement from a total stranger. But the amazing thing is, and he would never have known this, I, don't, I can't even count how many songs I've recorded since then. I, I've lost track of how many times I have been on a recording singing music. My mom told me I was a great guitar player, and I know all moms think their kids are great, and you can't like hang your hat on that if you're gonna try to do it for a living or whatever, but it still doesn't hurt. Moms, just think your kids are great. It doesn't really matter if anybody else really thinks they are or not. It's sort of the encouragement part that is the thing that's gonna sink deep into their lives. It wasn't that she said I was amazing. She just made me wanna keep playing, and I did, and she didn't mind. And I used to lock the bathroom door because the bathroom has the best acoustics for anybody that's a budding singer. And I would sit there on the stool in the mirror and ding, 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 and sing there for who knows how long. And nobody ever said, get out of the bathroom and stop singing. It was encouragement and it happened. 
My dad encouraged me to give things a try, this, that, or the other, always able to kind of look at it objectively. Somehow I got myself into lawn mowing when I was in high school and all of a sudden I found that I had 22 yards and I was just like in over my head and I couldn't do it with all the school and marching band. I tried to hire my brother and that went haywire. And so it was just, my dad sat me down. He's like, here's what you're gonna have to do. He, he encouraged me to, to figure it all out and logistically make it happen and to rethink before saying yes in the future. One time I was in this room and there was a preacher's conference happening and I overheard a preacher say, pointing over my direction, yeah, that Tim, He's, he's worth a million bucks. And the way he said that about ministry-related things, because I didn't really know him outside of that, he didn't, ever hear, he didn't know I knew he said it. But I have always remembered this guy from uh, ministry circles thinking that I was worth a million dollars. In whatever context, it didn't matter because the encouragement had already happened. It's gold when we encourage people. On a more recent note, I met with a friend this, earlier this summer I hadn't seen in a long time, and as we were meeting a couple days, he, he uh, one morning got down and did 50 push-ups. I was sitting there thinking, what is going on? And he's like, oh, I do 300 push-ups a day, 50 at a time, six times a day. And he's writing it in his phone and keeping it all tabbed on it. And he looked at me and I looked at him. I said, I haven't even thought about a push-up since 1987. And he's like, yeah, I was a couple years ago, that's the way I was. I mean, there's been PE since PE. So he goes, well, just try one. And I, I did it. And I did two of them. And I was just like laying on the ground, like aching. And, and this guy's like, yeah, yeah, you, you can do it though. You ought to try it. It would be good for you. It just keeps you in shape and this and that. And, um, and so for whatever reason, that sentence, you could do it. I, I, I tried it. I said, well, I'm going to put this in my phone and start a push-up streak and see if I can keep it going every day. So that was June 19th. Now I'm up to four. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a few more than that. But I'm going to keep trying it as long as that sort of sticks and, you know, different things, different seasons. But it wasn't that he gave me a paper on it. He didn't, you know, persuade me. He encouraged me to give it a try. One time I was sitting around with a group of young boys at an event uh, a couple years back, although we just finished that event this past week. It's kind of a, up near the Quad Cities, it's got a, a inner city feel with kids that walk uh, to the park program during the day and to the, the church at night. We minister in both areas, day and night, or during the week. One time I was sitting around with a group of those kids and I said, what are you gonna be when you guys grow up? And they're all eating Little Caesars pizza and they go run the gamut. I could have practically predicted it. NBA star, veterinarian, dig for dinosaurs. I mean, they just kind of went around, did the usual. And it got at the end, it got quiet. And I sat there looking at them. I said, anybody ever thought about being a preacher? And they were totally silent. And then one kid said, I guess I could. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that crazy little, uh, that little comment. I'm like, man, I haven't seen that kid since, but who knows? What if that little encouragement of that question might actually sink in a seed in his heart that he may just follow God in faith and, and Lord may call him someday. We had a college chaplain when Suzanne, Suzanne and I were in college and I spent a lot of time with him, different trips and meetings in his office. And every time I'd left his office, he'd always say, hang in there. That was his exit kind of call. Wasn't the exit greeting, that'd be opposite. But anyway, every time he left, it was hang in there. So a few years back, several years back now, I was preaching here at Troy, and I mentioned that story that Phil Gardner always really encouraged me with a simple little phrase, hang in there, it fit for so many different things. And I told that to everybody, and on the way out of church that day, an old faithful guy from church here who's passed on now named Haven Westfall, he walks out in the back and said, I like that. Hang in there, that's good. And for the next eight years, every time he saw me, he got real close and said, hang in there. 
And all of a sudden, I started thinking back to the fact that I was encouraged by a faithful person in my life. I shared that encouragement with somebody else who also was a faithful believer, who turned it around and told me to hang in there every time I turned around. And it's kind of like this encouragement bubble. I mean, I don't want to get like mystical and weird about it, but it sort of like takes on a spirit-led kind of connection in the body of Christ. And if we are going to be strong believers, if we are going to be faithful to pursue God's call, to meet together in worship, to help one another spur on toward love and good deeds, then it's not just a a one-time thing. Hey, I encouraged you 10 years ago. If I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. I mean, it's like a, it's a thing that we do daily. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Talk about the grace of God. Lift up what others are doing and be a person who helps move on and move forward. Help people move toward the goal. As it often happens when you're preparing a sermon, something comes across Facebook or something that you can use and I don't know if it comes across and then you use it or if you're thinking of needing something and then it, it magnets towards you. But either way, this fit perfectly, I thought. My brother Jackson's church was having a camp up at their church this week and they rented a rock climbing wall. So it's a little day camp for all the kids. And since my brother works at the church there as the worship leader, he took a step, um, took a break, step outside, see how things were going. And as he stepped outside, he noticed that my nephew, his seven-year-old, was about halfway up the climbing wall. So here's what my brother's Facebook post said. I caught a glimpse of Camp Kennecuck at Hope Church today, and from afar, I recognized a scared little guy on the climbing rock wall. As I yelled, you got this, buddy, he immediately turned and started climbing faster, all the way to the top. When I put him to bed tonight, I asked him if he knew how proud I was of him, and he said, yes. It made me go higher. So this little kid, all he needed was a couple words from maybe anybody, but especially his dad. You got this, buddy. And he zipped up the climbing wall. And maybe that's what we need in life and faith. Christian brothers and sisters who are standing around saying, you got this. It's all right. I've been there before. It's tough, but you're going to make it. You can do it. Kids need parents and grandparents who are pushing them higher in their faith and in their life. And sometimes we push so hard on life that we forget that we need to encourage the spiritual hearts of our kids. People need encouragement, words that give life, words that build up, words that help people become what God intended them to be. So as we close, how will we encourage today? Well, for starters, Christians ought to be the most encouraging people on the planet. And here are a couple action steps. Encourage somebody today before you go home. And you're welcome to just use me as an excuse to be awkwardly standing with somebody thinking, I'm going to encourage them, but I'm not sure what yet, but it's going to be something. I mean, whatever it takes, practice it. Learn to encourage somebody today. When you go home today, send a letter. Maybe you need to write some encouraging words. It doesn't have to be long, but it could be. Words that are written can be a huge encouragement to people. A third way is social media. In this crazy town world of negativity on social media, what if you just tag somebody and said, it's not your birthday, it's not your anniversary, you didn't get a promotion or anything like that. I just want to let you know that I am thankful for your life and what you have meant to me. And just watch it sort of like uh, astound the person if they don't delete it from their wall because they don't know what to do with encouragement. But you can do something on social media. Encourage your spouse today. Um, that's just a, a simple thing to do that sometimes we just forget. 
encourage someone to keep living their faith or to come back to church. Encourage someone by giving a sincere compliment. Another one is we can encourage a child, which I've already mentioned, by telling them that you love to watch them play or you love to watch them dance and not just waiting until they hit the home run to give them encouragement. A ninth way you can encourage is to encourage the preacher and tell the preacher that you listened and that you enjoyed it. And um, you know, I heard the old preacher joke about the preacher that said he'd do anything for his church people, just call him anytime, day or night, if there's an emergency. And so a couple weeks later, about three o'clock in the morning, one of the old faithful ladies in the church called the preacher and said, I can't sleep. And the preacher said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But I'm not sure what you want me to do about it. She goes, well, preach a couple paragraphs. Maybe it'll help. <laughs> so, but preachers need, preachers need encouragement. And I'm not talking about just me today. I, I appreciate it too. But Pastor Andy, I mean, leading a church is not for the faint at heart. And if the church people are lifting up and pushing behind and encouraging the preacher as we all kind of seek this goal to be who God is calling us to be as Troy United Methodist Church, that's gonna be a powerhouse dynamite ingredient to, to change lives. So encourage your preacher. And another one, which maybe is just like the others, but linger a little long after church. I actually wrote have two donuts instead of one, then I thought, is that encouragement or is that not? But stay a little longer and connect with somebody on an encouraging sort of level. Spurring one another on, as the Bible says, to love and good deeds. Meeting together and lifting each other up. The gospel can happen through the power of God at work through you as a vessel to encourage others. Paraclete in the body of Christ, just like God paracletes us. As we sing this closing song today, I want to invite us to allow God to bless our lives and our souls with encouraging, spirit-filled love. And in that power, we might be the most encouraging congregation in this entire metro area. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the way that scripture challenges us even with the simplest of words, the simplest of concepts that take a lifetime to nail down in the same way that you're able to do it. So Lord, I pray that you would teach us and lead us, that you would continue to fill our hearts and lives with the kind of encouragement that can only come from your spirit. And Lord, that you would open up the doors with the confidence and your spirit at work in us to encourage one another. Lord, that this might be a place that people feel like they're able to hit the goal. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.